NAD Ministerial presents Multiply, Baptize, Equip, Plant with Jose Cortez Jr. I want for us to turn there to the Old Testament. I'm going to read Welcome to the And this morning we're having a baby dedication. You know, every now and then. We baptize you now in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. We're about to go eat. I want to thank you for the food. Is there a second to the motion? To present to you the happiest newlyweds in all the land. Muy buenos días, amigos, hermanos y familias. God, give us strength and power to live like you told us to live. I'm Patricia, and welcome. Can you have the ministry of the word without the ministry of presence? Find out today as our host, Jose Cortez Jr., talks to Dustin Hall. So when Philando Castillo was shot and killed, there was a protest going on in, in St. Paul. And we went over there with no agenda. We just were, our city's hurting, we're going to go over there and be like Jesus. We, we took a group of young adults, a very multicultural group. First of all, we prayed with all the police officers on the perimeter. We ended up praying with the mayor and chief of police and things. Then when the leader of the protest saw us coming with this big group of people, very diverse group of people, came out and said, who are you guys and why are you here? And mm. I told him, I said, we're just here to pray with people, support people in any way, any way that we can. He said, okay, as soon as this guy that's currently speaking is done, you're going to go up here and you're going to pray for, <laughs> pray for everybody. You know, people said to me, thank you for coming. My pastor wouldn't come. The ministry of the word without the ministry of presence isn't the ministry of the word at all. We've got lots of great actionable insights on the way. More in a moment. We want you to know that we are here as a growth resource. Go to nadministerial.com and click on podcast for everything you need to multiply your ministry. Our guest is Dustin Hall. Here's Jose. The Neighbor Mind the Church creates common ground, not dividing lines. That's a great quote by Jeff Henderson that I love. And then my friend Ann Rhoda, uh, she also said, instead of going into the community and talking, why don't we go in and listen? Uh, welcome to the Multiply Podcast. This is Jose Cortez, and we're right here on the campus of Andrews University at the studios of the Adventist Learning Community, right here where the Advent Next uh, podcast is recorded by my friend Kendra Arsenal on a regular basis. And today I have a friend and someone who's very special to me, great minister, great pastor uh, in North America. His name is Dustin Hall. Dustin, how are you, my brother? Doing well. How are you? So good to see you. It's been a long time. <laughs> you too. <laughs> You're the pastor of the Grace Outlet Church. Yes. And you guys uh, meet at the Go Community Center. Yes, our community center we opened, and uh, we are a community center that also has a church, not a church that has a community center. Okay, talk to me a little, a little bit about that. Yeah, so we want the community to realize and feel like they can be welcome there. And uh, I think from the demographic research we've done and from understanding our community a little bit, we knew that if we put Grace Outlet Seventh-day Adventist Church on the sign, they people would think that only the members of that church go there. And uh, we actually purchased a former country club building. Oh, my goodness. That uh, it's, it's located in the city, though. It's not a golf club. Um, it's, it's, uh, it was used as a retreat center for uh, a department store owner family. They, they brought their employees there. But anyway, the, um, it's been used over the years as an event center. People have had weddings there, business parties there. So it's well known, and we wanted to make sure that the community still felt 
like they owned it and it, they were a part of it. And so we made it into a community center that uh, its main feature is a play center for for kids for kids and parents. Oh, man. Parents too? Yeah. So the parents bring their kids. You mean the parents play as yes. well? They need to. Yes. They don't drop their kids off. They Ooh. stay. And that gives us a great opportunity to get to know people, um, hear from them, just get to know the families and really build relationships with so the So you're community. open during the week? We are. We're open Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And we've had, since October, we've had 500 people come through. And we many, many repeat families, so we're really getting to know people. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> Congratulations. That's, yeah. that's creative and that is exciting. Yeah, God is, God is blessing. And, you know, I think, I think a version of this can be done anywhere. Anywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, well, we have thousands of pastors, church leaders, um, committed disciples of Jesus who are listening to our podcast. And I hope that they're able to take a little bit from... Or a lot from what they hear from you today, yeah. including this. I think this is this is awesome. Yeah. Um, let's let's go into um, our subject for today, and um, I've heard you say a few times that people view us, the church, uh, Adventist Church, as irrelevant mm-hmm. and perhaps as out of touch. Mm-hmm. Can you expound a little bit more on that? Because uh, that is concerning. Well, I mean, the greatest evidence of that is that they're not members of our church. If everyone saw the church is relevant, they would all be church members. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so uh, what we have to realize is that our institutional way of doing things, and in other words, the culture often is seen as irrelevant. And really, uh, we often blame the community. We say, you know, they're not interested in spiritual things. They're, they're, not, uh, they're not engaged with the Bible. They don't... They don't want God, but I've found in my ministry that it's actually us okay. not knowing how to communicate in a way that they can understand. So it's not their fault. It's not their fault. Yeah, it's it's a blindness. Something happens, it seems like, at conversion where we we start thinking like church people, which in, in many ways is a very good thing because we're seeing with new eyes and that's wonderful, but we often forget the way we thought before we accepted Christ and we, before we accepted the Adventist message. Could it be something like too heavenly minded and no earthly good at all? Something like that. I've heard that <laughs> yeah, said. I've know, heard that times. too. So, and at times I wonder if that's our case. Yeah, you know, I don't know. We're so spiritual and we're so much up there in the clouds, you know, that, that we cannot do anything on the street. Yeah, well, you know, I've heard that too, but, you know, some of the most heavenly minded people made the biggest differences in this world too, you know. That is true. But um, So you got to be heavenly minded yeah. and, and earthly grounded. Yeah, I mean, if you're truly heavenly minded, then you're having heaven's impact here. By all means. Yeah, and so, um, you know, I think really what it boils down to is that, you know, the Adventist message especially is so, it's so clear and so powerful and it, and it, it delves into things that we didn't think about before, you know, prophecy and all these other things. And, and we, we draw these conclusions, and uh, we're so excited about those conclusions. We're excited about knowing what happens when Jesus comes and when we die and, you know, what's happening in Bible prophecy. And we want people to accept those conclusions. The problem is we forgot the way that we thought before we came to those conclusions. Okay. Because, you know, the fastest way to convert somebody is to get them to accept your conclusions. Yeah. But that's not the way people think. No. Um, and, and people that are not in the church, because they don't think that way, we have to communicate in a way 
that will help people that are not in the church understand what that means. And I'm not just talking about, you know, what you put on your church bulletin, benediction or closing or opening prayer. I'm not talking about those kinds of life, things. Right? I'm talking about life. Yeah, I'm talking everyday about, life. Yeah, it, it's it's not just what people know; it's how they think. Yeah, and um, it's wonderful that the Lord transforms our thinking. But if 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 we forget what it took to get us to the place where we can accept Jesus and accept this Adventist message, we're going to be totally ineffective. And that's where the irrelevance comes in for me. Yeah, I've also heard I've I've heard that uh, <clears throat> that we have a hard time reaching people because. Uh, we have an unpopular message. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard that before. You yeah. know, and that's the reason why people don't come to some of our churches, even though I see some of our churches are doing really well. Yeah. You know, and they, they you know, so uh, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> that I, I take issue with that. And the reason that I do is that we don't have a message. Okay. Right. Right. We should not be owners of a message. And the reason that is, you know, I'm giving you a message right now. Mm-hmm. And what I'm doing is I'm trying to convey my way of thinking in a way that you can understand it in the way that people listening to the podcast can understand it. Um, and it's going to be better understood by you because I know you. We've had previous conversations. No it's going to be somewhat understood by people that are listening because mm-hmm. we have similar goals and similar worldviews. But it would be very difficult for somebody that is not part of that worldview or Forget part it. of this conversation to get it. And so the reason that it's a hard message to understand is because we give it in a way that we understand. Okay. We're well, not, it makes sense to us. It makes sense to us. But it, we're not thinking of the people who are getting it, the, the ones who are a, receiving it. That's exactly right. And and one of the reasons that we've done that is because we we package our message into a neat little bow that you can give in Box. a series of Bible studies or, mm-hmm. yeah, in, in a series, in an evangelistic series. And really what those are are the conclusions. Okay. They're not... They're not the whole truth. Those are the conclusions that we want people to know. So we're not just trying to to give out a code, you know, uh, with with information. Right. We're trying to lead people to getting to know Jesus. A living relationship with a person. That's exactly right. And and what we don't realize is that when we say it's our message, we begin to defend our own version of that message. Okay. Our so, interpretation? Our interpretation of that message. So if you're not believing what I believe, you're in trouble, you're not a true right. Christian. Yeah, and even within the church, we see that exact thing. If if you don't preach, quote-unquote, the message the same way that I do, you're not preaching, quote-unquote, the message Mercy. or present truth. But what we have to understand is that the, that the great controversy is about God's character. And, and Bible prophecy and Scripture paints who God is. It's about his character, which means that any situation in life, God's character can be applied to that. By all means. Therefore, present truth is God's character spoken into a person, any area of life, any issue that's going on. So I don't necessarily have to... God's character doesn't have to necessarily be spoken into a situation in one, any given, quote-unquote, message one specific way. It's a truth that has to come to light within any area of life, specifically to the people that we're trying to have understand it and, exactly. and, and receive it. So we're trying to change people mm-hmm. without loving them. Yeah. Okay. We're trying to feed them information mm-hmm. and have them believe what we're saying right. without ever having any type of relationship with them. Right. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So would that be the solution? 
Yeah, I, I found that the only thing that really communicates across all worldviews and experiences is trust. Okay. If if I have a trusting relationship with people, they're willing to 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 try and think like I think. If they can trust me, they will open up their mind to trying to understand how I'm thinking about things. So I heard you say that present truth only comes through present, present trust. trust. Yeah, present trust. And how do we gain that trust? So they they are willing to hear us. Yeah, it's engagement in people's lives. Okay, you know, I've said that the the ministry of the word without the ministry of presence isn't the ministry of the word at all. So okay, so <laughs> we need to be present with them, right? And and it it cannot be strings attached either, right? Because they're, they're going to see it right through that, mm -hmm. right? We yeah. need to be present with them regardless. Absolutely. Okay, and and that's why they'll trust us at some point. Yeah, and community engagement. That's why community engagement is so important because it gets us outside of our bubble, our church bubble, our Christian bubble, and puts us amid people that don't think the way we do, okay. that don't act the way we do. So I'm assuming that that's the reason why rather than having a church uh, with a community center, you have a community center with a church. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It allows us to build relationships with people. And, and you find people that have spiritual interests and spiritual needs. And now that I have a relationship with them, I know exactly what's going on in their lives. You know, as, a, as I started as a church planter and Bible worker, and I would spend weeks trying to clear people on specific doctrinal objections. And the longer I did it and the longer I was a pastor, I began to realize that 99% of doctrinal objections aren't doctrinal objections. It's something in their life. <laughs> it's a deeper issue. So I would waste all this hot air trying to convince somebody on you know, a specific issue. On a, on a point. And yeah, and that wasn't, that wasn't the problem in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it would be their husband or, <laughs> or their marriage or, or something else. I, I still remember, I still remember one time that we were trying to, this lady wanted to be baptized real bad. And my senior pastor, I was a youth pastor back in the day. Uh, you know, we spent three hours one night trying to get her to take off her wedding band. Mm-hmm. Okay, and she decided she wasn't going to be baptized. Mm -hmm. Now I, I wear my wedding band now. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and you know what we used the harlot of Revelation. You really? know that's that's yeah. what we used. You know, and she said, yeah, but the 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 the, the, the city of God also have pearly gates. You mm -hmm. know, so it's not just mm -hmm. the harlot that you know. So <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like stuff that we've done. Yeah, crazy. Right. Right. And, and so what we have to do, is because, because these are more personal issues, they're deeper than just head knowledge, we have to be in our community, building trust with people, understanding them, listening to them, um, you know, attending protests, going to rallies. Protests? Yeah, protests. Have you ever been to a protest? I have. I've been to a protest. More with Jose and Dustin in a moment. We'd love to get to know more about you and your ministry. NAD Ministerial is dedicated to your growth and success. Go to our website, nadministerial.com, click on podcast, and sign up so we can keep you connected to the best tools, information, and events to help you multiply your effectiveness in evangelism. Oh, and make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. And all of Jose's social media contacts are on the website as well nadministerial.com. Now, back to the interview. 
was it worth at it? At least one. It was totally. It was okay, tell me about. Tell me about it a little bit. <laughs> so when Philando Castile was shot and killed, oh, by, that's back when you were in Minnesota. Yeah, when I was in Minnesota, um, he there was a protest going on in in St. Paul. Um, and we went over there with no agenda. We just were, our city's hurting. We're going to go over there and be like Jesus. And if that just means observing, that's what we'll do. If that means praying with people, that's what we'll do. If they want to shout at us or cry on our shoulder, that's what we'll do. Right. Um, we took a group you of young adults. We, we took a group of young adults, a very multicultural group. And uh, <clears throat> the leader of the protest saw us walking down the street. Well, first of all, we prayed with all the police officers on the perimeter, all right. and that was an amazing experience. We ended up praying with the mayor and chief of police and things. Uh, but then when the leader of the protest uh, saw us coming with this big group of people, very diverse group of people, he came out and said, who are you guys and why are you here? And I mm. told him, I said, we're just here to pray with people, support people in any way, any way that we can. He said, okay, as soon as this guy that's currently speaking is done, you're going to go up here and you're going to pray for, <laughs> pray for everybody. Right. And, uh, you know, Philando Castile's mother was there, his family was there, um, and it was just an incredible experience. And, you know, people said to me, thank you for coming. My pastor wouldn't come. Wow. You know, what church are you from? And uh, it, it allowed us to learn about issues that we would not have known had we not gone. So you're telling me that the, the way that the church uh, and we as individual Christians that we earned the right to be heard... Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's by being in the public square, yeah, uh, loving people by loving people right in the public square where they are. Yeah, we we learn the right present. We learn the right to be heard, and we also learn what to say. Yeah, because had I not gone, I would have, I would have been even if I met you know Fernando Castile's mother on the street, I wouldn't have known what to say to her. But because I was in her context, because I was listening to what people were saying and shouting and and arguing for, I knew what was in their heart. And as churches, we so often just kind of lock ourselves in our church building the four walls. and do our thing, and then we try to communicate, and we learn how to communicate in Amongst those ourselves. four walls, yeah. and then we expect people to understand what we're saying when we have a meeting or whatever, and it's just, it's irrelevant, it is. So you're trying to tell me that we need to be in the community more than the community really needs us. Exactly. That's right? exactly it. Yeah, there's plenty of community organizations to ease suffering. <laughs> by, by now I can see, I can see uh, our good friends, you know, some of our public evangelists uh, saying, uh, why are they saying these things, you mm-hmm. know? But I know that you believe in public evangelism, yeah. in proclamation, so do I, you know? Yeah. Uh, but the way to make one uh, successful or effective, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's okay to do it, but... Yeah. If you do it without having any community presence, it's... Yeah, and this is where the local pastor has an advantage over a, a professional full-time evangelist yeah. because you have the ability to build relationships in your community that and gives by the you way, access. And by the way, that's our preference. We're not knocking professional mm-hmm. evangelists. You know, mm-hmm. I, that's some of the things that I do, you know, but the best person to do evangelism locally is a church pastor absolutely. with his members absolutely. or her members, yeah, right? absolutely. And I think a lot of our professional evangelists would agree with that for the most part. <laughs> Um, and, and the thing about it is, is that the local pastor has the ability to build such a strong bond with the community, or in the church especially also, because the pastor's only one man, can build the kind of bond in a community that builds the type of trust that it gives you the ability, number one, to understand what to say, and then the platform in which to say it. And that is is so, so needed amongst 
our communities to make them feel, make them listen, to make them feel like our, our message is connected to their situation. And God is connected to their situation. Now, let me ask you a question, because at times we want to be engaged in the community and we create ministries. Yeah. And, and, and people don't flock <clears throat> to our ministries, mm-hmm. outreach ministries, yeah. which are there to help people. What is the best way? How can we improve our, our yeah. blessing of the community, our outreach to the community? How can we scratch where it itches? Yeah, I found that uh, when we try to start something new, especially when it comes to service, community service, we don't have nearly the impact as other organizations are already having. And if Because we, they've been there for a long time. Right, they've been there for a long time. They know the community better than we do. I found that the most effective community service comes by partnering with other organizations. So it's okay not to have to invent everything? Yeah. Is it okay to partner with people who are not Adventists? Absolutely, and you have a much (laughs) greater effect, you know, such a much greater effect. But they're not Adventists. They're not Adventists. No, (laughs) they're not. How can we partner with them? (laughs) You know? Yeah, but... Did Jesus ever do anything like that? (laughs) There are people out there that share our values. Oh, my goodness. You know, they share the same goals. Yeah. And uh, to ease suffering. and I'm not arguing with you, yeah, by no, the I way. Know. Okay, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a problem with that. But yeah. I've heard people say those things. I yeah. yeah. And, and I understand where that's coming from. And, and there was a time where I kind of thought that way, too. But, but I remember those times. The okay. fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, when you think about it, it allows you to rub shoulders with people in those organizations where you wouldn't have access to them. So all of a sudden, they before. have access to Adventists, yeah. uh, which they probably never saw before or right. never heard of before. And they know things about the community that you're trying to reach that you don't know because they're, they're in the nitty-gritty of it. They're, they're working hard. They're getting their, their hands dirty. And so, um, you know, they know things that we don't know, and it gives you access to the community that you wouldn't have before and allows you to have a greater impact in your community. And we, we got to close here, but let me... You mentioned something about when we're not in the community, when we're not loving the community, uh, we um, somehow uh, become like the scientist who is in the lab. I heard that, and I got, we talked like, about ir- we whoa. talked about irrelevance earlier. All right, and, and in many cases, we've become like a scientist who shuts himself away in his lab for fifteen years to Trying cure to a disease. Cure, right? And then, you know, he perfects it. He's got it all worked out just perfectly. And then he emerges from his lab one day only to realize that, you know, there's other diseases and the one he was working on is not nearly the same uh, problem that it was before. And so he's become irrelevant and obsolete. So a pastor, a church, an evangelist, anyone who's trying to reach people that is not in the community, that thinks that by isolating themselves they can do this, Irrelevant. Exactly. Don't even try. Exactly. Because communication isn't what you say. It's what's being heard. Okay. And we have to learn how to communicate in a way that people can hear the truth and understand it. The biggest takeaway for me, and our time is up, but the biggest takeaway, Dustin, and thank you for our time together, Mm -hmm. pastors are not only the pastors of our churches, they are the pastors of our cities, they are the pastors of our community. Churches, Adventist churches, are not there just for themselves. They are there for their communities and for their cities. Is That's that right. clear? Absolutely. And if we're not engaged with our communities and with people around us, 
we're not going to be reaching people, right. period. Yep. And we'll, we're here to reach people. We'll be yelling in a vacuum. All right. <laughs> hey, I hope that that is not the case of our pastors across North America and our churches Amen. across North America. Thank you so much for your time with us, Dustin. You're, you're always uh, amazing. My pleasure. It's been great sitting here and looking into your eyes <laughs> for, the last, for the last 20 minutes. And I hope everyone finds a, a blessing out of this podcast. This is Jose Cortez from Andrews University, the Adventist Learning Community Studios. And this is the Multiply Podcast. God bless you soon. Thanks, Dustin and Jose. Make sure you sign up for our email list and don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to connect with Jose, home base for all things multiply is nadministerial.com and click on podcast. I'm Patricia. Until next time, keep going, but most of all, keep growing. Multiply. Multiply, a best practices podcast, is a production of NAD Ministerial. Executive producer, Ivan Williams. Designed by Halloran Hill for Anything is Possible. Produced by Kendra Arsenal with Christina Massino. Edited by Taizi Snyder. <laughs>